Pain does not stand a chance against the onslaught of positivity that is aroused with five minutes of visualization. Okay, do what you can with what you got from where you are. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live this week. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness. And each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, happy Monday. Happy to be here with another spiritual tune-up. Thanks for the awesome questions, the great interactions. Last Friday was epic, and I really appreciate you. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Oh, 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 I'm doing a little broadcast, sweetheart. Oh. Okay, say hi and goodbye. <laughs> okay, close the door, please. Oh my gosh, she finished Halloween Town. <laughs> Okay, she has a day off from school today. That's why she's here. Uh, it's teacher consulting day. Okay, now where was I? So the question that was just posed is so applicable to every single person who has a dream, no matter what your dream is. So don't be discouraged by, by the theme of this question. I'll tell you how it applies to you, and then I'll get into some very specifics on how to... to to make that dream come true. So Mike, while dealing with a chronic illness, how can I simultaneously manifest health? I feel like asking the universe to send help energetically negates my request for healing. It's the exact same thing if you dream of financial abundance. If you're putting out there this request for financial abundance, you're reinforcing it's absence in your life today, which is what the questioner is saying. If I want health, I'm reinforcing that I'm not healthy. No matter what it is you want, love and romance, healing, harmony, peace of mind, joy, friends, a social life, the request itself reinforces its absence in your life. Woe is me. Awesome question. Applies to absolutely everyone. I got lots for you on this, so... So hang in there to the end. First off, as I share, and it's one of my favorite teaching points, it's one of my life's biggest epiphanies and ahas. While we live in a non-judgmental universe with divine intelligence, refraining from any kind of judgment, it would not serve anyone nor divine intelligence to pass judgment. While it is a non-judgmental universe, that does not mean we live in a neutral universe. That does not mean that the universe doesn't care. Oh, you thought blue, you get blue. Oh, you thought yellow, you get yellow. You thought wealth, you get wealth. You think black, you get lack. No, 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 no. Just because there's no judgment doesn't mean all of the angels and God Almighty isn't on your team cheering for you. That's not judgment. That's the nature of reality. We are one and the same with divine intelligence. And therefore, when you think thoughts in alignment with truth, truth being life is beautiful, we are powerful, those thoughts become things like this. It's like popcorn, man. When you think thoughts out of alignment with truth, 
Like I'm a dodo, I'm a sick, I can't do it. It works for everyone but me. You're God Almighty. Everything works for you. It's easy. You're everywhere always at once. You just temporarily don't see this. So while you can say those lies, it's not working, I don't like it, I'm self-sabotaging, they're lies, they're temporary, they're fleeting, and they're very hard to make those kind of thoughts and declarations the things and events of your life. What I'm getting at is that a little bit of positivity, thinking about health even when you're super sick, thinking about wealth even when you're super poor, thinking about friendships even when you're super alone, a little bit of positivity catches the current that brought you here. It rides upon the suit. Rides upon the wave, dude. Hang 10. Those thoughts become things. Even in the face of 18 hours of worry, 18 hours of negativity, even with coronavirus, cancer, AIDS, back pain, you have the power with a few moments of positivity every day, followed with baby steps that imply your dream can and might come true. Timid, but that's okay. Prepare to be astounded. People don't know this. They feel like a thought is a thought and I'm in pain and I'm angry and I'm resentful. Uh, I'm just going down. You know, it's a hard, cold, cruel world and God is angry at all of us and my brain's really small and it's never going to work. People don't realize that a little bit of positivity goes so far. Positive thoughts or reframe. Thoughts in alignment with truth are 10,000 times more powerful than thoughts out of alignment with truth. So while you may be reinforcing the lack by having a wish for health or abundance or a Romeo and Juliet, that negativity is blown to smithereens by the positivity of the dream. Have your dreams, even though every single dream presupposes that you don't have it, might never have it. That's what a dream is. You wish for stuff you don't have. By wishing for it, do you think you're never going to get it? No, your inclination to thrive, evidenced by baby steps, even if they're timid, will blow the lid off of this joint. So to answer the question with an analogy, with a story from my little storybook, I've shared this in my Playing the Matrix Health Laser. I tore cartilage in a knee had surgery. A few years later, it was the other knee, did not want surgery. I went to the doctor, are you sure I need surgery? You must have surgery. Cartilage never heals. All right, so I talked to a friend and another friend, they did Reiki, they did hypnosis. I found people who healed the pain without surgery. And so I went out there and I would run and it felt like a knife in my left knee. Knife in the knee every time I put my weight on that leg and then right knee. Knife in the knee, right knee. And I remember thinking, and it seemed so futile. It seemed so silly. Focus on your right knee, Mike. So I'll be like, no pain. Ah, no pain. Ah, it seemed so stupid. Even when I was, <clears throat> wasn't putting weight on my left knee, it still hurt because I just had put weight on it. And it was like this constant pain. And I kept thinking, wow, my right knee is pain-free. My ankles are pain-free. My neck is pain-free. I have amazing vision. My heart is pounding blood. My knuckles are pain-free. And it would be so ridiculous because it would be like, ah, oh, ah, oh, but I'm pain-free in my neck. Oh, 
It felt futile. It felt so stupid. In seven days, the pain was gone. And I had had it for months by that stage. Seven days of running just a teeny bit. Now, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't take medical advice from me. I'm just telling you on a metaphysical level what worked for me. On a metaphysical level, within seven days, the pain was gone. And that was over five years ago. It works. You are a gladiator of love and joy for whom all things are possible. Do a little bit of positivity. Focus on what works. Focus on what's right. Be mindful of the lack. Replace it with gratitude for, for the abundance and the healing that's coming your way. You can even replace it with a request. Dear God, give me money. You're so inclined to succeed. You're going to get it if you follow it up with baby steps. So affirm other things I did in that same seven day period. I used affirmations, you know, my body knows, my knee knows how to heal itself and it's doing so right now. My knee knows how to heal itself and it's doing so right now. Um, visualization, creative visualization, getting grounded in truth like we're doing right now. Pain does not stand a chance against the onslaught of positivity that is aroused with five minutes of visualization. Okay, do what you can with what you got from where you are. This is my story. This is how you can move beyond. Continue to see your doctor. Okay, play both ends to the middle. Be a good patient and practice the woo-woo. Patient woo-woo. You'll crush it. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for another spiritual tune-up. Happy Tuesday to one and all the world over. Thanks for your support. Thanks for asking questions below on Facebook and Instagram. This is where I get my talking points each and every day. Today's question, a bit heavy. My heart is with the questioner. Lost my only child. Grief. Need help. My son, my only child, died 1,131 days ago. I can't unmanifest that reality and the pain won't go away. When life pulls the rug out from under a parent in this way, everything changes. My faith has been shattered. What can you say about this type of situation? Uh, there's no words to to share that could lift the burden that you must be feeling and my deepest sympathies and condolences. Uh, I cannot imagine as a doting father myself uh, what you have been through. Um, but I can tell you a little bit about the greater picture of reality and my aim is to give you and others <clears throat> dealing with loss and grief or the perceived perception of loss and the very real grief, um, perhaps a, a better footing. Um, the only salvation to the ugly, the painful, the unpleasant in this physical world around us is drilling down to truth. There is always a truth. Truth is not sometimes. Truth is not a gray area. Truth is absolute. And the truths I'm talking about are our, our, are our eternal divine nature. It is as insulting as this might seem, and please forgive me, you have not lost your son. 
No one loses anyone through death. Death is the greatest liar and the greatest illusion in these sacred hallowed jungles of time and space where we are all playing out adventures that are ordained in the mind and the heart of God led by our own creative inner adventurer. And we choose stages that will sometimes have the unexpected. And we choose those stages because of the gifts and the blessings they will impart within us. You didn't lose a son, you gained a son in this lifetime. And your son is with you this very moment. Your son is restored and joyful and happy. And your son realizes that the lessons that he came here to learn this time were done and it was time for new adventures. But given the multidimensional nature of reality, he is always present with you in your heart, in your mind, uh, as real as if he was physically sitting beside you right now as you hear these words. And his greatest, most fervent wish would be for the smile to return back to your face. You'll never be apart from your son. You will be together for eternity. Once there is love, there is love forever. What remains is for you to live out this choice in a lifetime where you would once be graced with his presence unleashing love that you had never known before and being able to sustain that love in his seeming temporary fleeting absence and you are so up for this challenge it is a beautiful world your son is well imagine him frolicking and loving and being loved adored uh, an instrument of service to the universe and to the divine here helping you as he helps countless others as he did undoubtedly in his lifetime. This applies to everyone who's ever lost anyone. You didn't lose them. They are with you and they want you to know that they are your biggest cheerleader. They're on the other side of these curtains of time and space. They are literally a breath, a wink, a nod away. Have those conversations with them. They hear every single word and they're talking back to you. Learn to still yourself. Learn to still your mind. They're not going to be shouting out in words, but they're going to be giving you feelings. They're going to give you a sense of reassurance. They're going to let you know that all is supremely well and that you have time left on the clock on this magnificent stage in paradise floating through the cosmos surrounded by love and bathed in their love and the love of the divine. Keep going. Hang in there. Help others who have gone through what you've gone through. Allow yourself the grieving a thousand days there's no amount of time from the human perspective that would be enough to to return to where you once were it's not possible but you are more than human you have spiritual eyes you have an inner heart that can transcend the lies of here versus there now versus then have your son have not your son don't go there you have accepted this challenge to go higher don't try to undo the pain don't try to make do see the bigger picture the bigger picture to all of you watching right now who have been through grief uh, or know somebody who's been through grief who may be in grief right now there are other spiritual tune-ups of the 170 posted right now at facebook instagram youtube all for free uh, i think about six different tune-ups all pertaining to to loss and death and grief and the Facebook under the video on the dashboard right now, there's a link to where just last month I re 
captured some of the lessons from my book, The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You. Crazy title. But they're there. They want you to know that life is beautiful, that there was no accident. And don't torture yourself with this notion of lost opportunities. There have been no lost opportunities. You know, if, if you could go to Disney World or Universal for studios for the day and you chose one and not the other, were there lost opportunities for what you didn't choose? Well, kind of, but you did make a choice and it's going to be awesome. And the same for your loved ones. They're with you now. You have the best of your life ahead of you. There's a lot of people you can help through this. And meanwhile, smell the roses, follow your heart, be pushed on to greatness every single day. All right. Check out the other links if you need more support. Check out the book, The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You. There's a lot of other great books out there that will help you realize you're not alone and that there is a big picture that will help you get through this anytime we suffer emotional pain. Okay. Number one, honor the pain. But number two, the best way to absolve it is to go to greater truths. There's something that's not being seen. There's a higher game here to play. There's another level or two that you can ascend through realizing that we're all living this illusion out in the heart of God. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here for another spiritual tune-up. Woo, what a doozy yesterday. Reading all of the comments. Oh my gosh, so many people having in encountered so much loss. Uh, my heart is open to you. I salute you. You never know what other people are going through and sometimes uh, they keep it all inside. Uh, so for those of you who are, who are dealing with grief, my, I love you and you're not alone. All right, today's topic to try to mix it up a little bit and lighten um, the message. How does manifesting interplay with lessons we need to learn. Now, this is an area where I know from all the talks I've given to all the people I've met that there tends to be a misunderstanding of what lessons are and therefore a giving away of one's power. So I have a lot to share here. The first answer to that question is like, the interplay is not what you think it is. God's not up there giving tests. There's no such thing as tests. And neither did we sign up to learn a bunch of lessons that are on the docket that are going to interfere with us creating our own reality. But to put a twist on this, of all of the lessons that we came here to learn, that we want to learn, being an awesome manifester is probably numero uno, not because it's all about bringing stuff into our lives. Think about what manifesting does. Manifesting means deliberate conscious creation. And you can bring that to love, relationships, self-confidence, creativity, all things wonderful. If you can get a handle on manifesting, you can write your own ticket day after day after day. And when you stub your toe through misunderstandings, which brings about a need for lessons, the best way to get to the truth 
is start moving towards creating the change that will please you. And then you will learn of your power. You will learn of your mistakes and your folly. You'll see what you misunderstood. Game on. All because of manifesting, all because of this implication that you can change those things that you don't like. That's why we're here. Significantly, to adventure and follow our hearts is number one. But we didn't come here to be knocked down and batted about by life. We came here to, to have as much fun and be in as much love as possible. And nothing will help you more than realizing the truth which will set you free, put you on your throne, and empower you to change the things you don't like, move towards new adventures, chart your own course, go within, be led by truth. Okay, so, so they're not mutually exclusive. Do I become a great manifester or do I learn my lessons? And if I have to learn my lessons, is that going to get in? Number one lesson is be a great manifester not just for the material angle, but for the spiritual angle. But now let me talk about lessons because so often they're misunderstood. I've already said in this tune-up and many times before, the divine does not give tests. I'm glad the questioner didn't go there because uh, I'd have to spend more time on that. But there's no tests. You are of the divine. You came here to rock and roll. You came here to see what would happen if you were a little bit of this and a little bit of that and left brain, right brain mixture. Let's, let's get it on. So, so there's no test. What happens when we get it on and we start moving over here expecting a manifestation or hoping for a certain outcome um, and we don't get it. We're like, hmm, what, what was I missing? Hmm. I mean, I thought God was angry and people were jerks, but I want to be happy. Oh, this is not a good equation. Maybe God's not angry. Maybe people aren't jerks. Maybe I still can be happy if I straighten out the wires. Oh my gosh, if I learn this lesson, I'm good to go on that topic for eternity. I want to learn. I want to learn. So neither are we here because we have to learn lessons. So number one, there's no tests. There's just adventure. And when we stub our toes, we learn. And number two, the lessons are not, okay, first you must be selfless and then you must be generous and then you must be um, grateful and then you must be, <sighs> nobody would go to that kind of silly school. We're here for the whole enchilada, love and dreams come true. And in that journey, like I just said, if we have confusion and misunderstand truth, there will be hiccups, backfires, ricochets, oh my gods, until we clear away the confusion, aka learn lessons that cropped up during the adventure. If you're not grateful and you're the opposite of feeling gratitude, um, you're not appreciative. You're not seeing the good. You're focusing on the bad. Oh, there's a lesson to learn. Now, somebody might skip that and be grateful from day one. We don't all have the same things that we have to go through. By understanding this, you then realize it's not like you master one lesson and then God shows up and puts another roadblock in front of you until you learn this lesson. There's no such thing. No such thing. Anybody can begin living in truth in the light surrounded and feeling the love without stubbing their toes and falling down. And so think not 
that life is a series of lessons. Again, that would just suck. We wouldn't come here if that's what life was all about. It's a series of adventures where the faster we choose to learn through introspection, the higher we get to the top of the mountain. And actually, we do get to a place where there's upward spirals and there's fewer and fewer and fewer lessons to learn. So don't be thinking, oh, it's just one one thing after another. No, it is not. It's never been that. Yeah, we're still here in the dark at a very primitive time in the evolution of consciousness. So we stub our toes a lot. But still, even in the dark, even in our ignorance, we have a lot of fun. Okay. And there's a lot of love and we're being pushed on to greatness. And if we stop struggling and get out of our own way, wow, man, things just take off so quickly. So you're not limited by this concept of lessons. They don't contradict you being a deliberate manifester. There's not a, an infinite number of these lessons coming down the pike. You can learn sometimes as much in one day as the former you or somebody else might learn in three lifetimes. One day you might learn the lessons of three lifetimes. It's how open can you, how much can you open your heart and your mind? How much can you self-reflect? How much can you say to yourself every time you stub your toe, I'm misunderstanding something and I'm going to figure out what that is. Oh man, to the top of the pyramid, my friend. Go directly to go and collect $200. Life is beautiful. And again, when you understand the nature of life as being one big adventure, you want to learn. You want to get these hurdles out of the way. You'd like, bring it on. Bring, I thought I was perfect, but I see there's a chink in my armor. Bring it on. This is so much fun. I'm going to learn this, that, and the other, and live happily ever after, which is your destiny. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, happy Thursday. And it's time for a spiritual tune-up. Thanks for all the engagement. Thank you for the stars, the waves, the hearts, the smiley faces. Thank you so much for sharing these spiritual tune-ups with your friends. This is how the word gets out and I'm able to keep doing what I'm doing. So today's question is great. I love it. How can I love without attachment? Can you truly love in this world without attachment, Mike? Is there a difference between spiritual and material love? Oh yeah. There's a huge difference between spiritual and material love. Spiritual love is the love of the divine. It's like a different commodity than what we typically think of as love. It is unending. It is infinite. It is eternal. It is flowing. It is inclusive. It is everywhere always at once. It is the medium of life in these sacred jungles of time and space. Whereas material love, okay, and I, I'm trying to get some traction uh, here and, and coming up with definitions that, you know, you could slightly disagree with. But material love would be love born of the material world. Yes, time, space, matter, stuff, typically speaking. To a degree, even other people, when seen as less than the spiritual radiant God particles that they are, which is typically how we see them. Um, so a material love is finite, is ephemeral, oh, ephemeral, uh, fleeting. It is, um, it is conditional. 
it is contingent, it is judgmental, and material love is divisive. It's there, but not there. It's here, but not there. It's now, not later. That's material love. There's nothing wrong with the material world. It's pure spirit in its deepest essence. But if you're not seeing the material world as spirit, then you're worshiping idols. You're looking at stuff and placing it with a greater importance than that which gives it rise. This is the story I tell again and again, as others have shared, the story of Adam and Eve and eating of the forbidden fruit and looking to the material world for meaning and definition and for identity. You're going down. Okay, but if instead you look to spirit, even in your relationships, and you fall in love with loving, and you fall in love with being loved, just the general commodity of being loved, because you always are and always will be, not falling, not being loved by Bob or Mary, but just you love the whole love thing. Then all of a sudden it takes on an entirely different realm. Now, instead of eating from the forbidden fruit, the apple, as if it was real because it tastes so yummy and it's so spectacular, you realize that it is of your own creation. And so is the material world. Not other people. They're not of your creation. They are God particles in and of themselves. So if you can love spiritually, then all of a sudden it becomes this eternal, infinite quality. If you can love and not say, I'm in love with Bob because they love me. If you can be in love with another person and understand that it's not them and their love that's making you feel light as a feather, but it's just your immersion into surrender and allowing, then it'll always be there. And if it's not coming from Bob, it's going to come from Bill. And if it's not coming from Bill, it'll come from Jane. And, and it's coming from the divine 24-7. This is the name of the game of life in these sacred hallowed jungles of time and space. This is us coming to terms with what's real, spirit, and what's illusory, time, space, and matter. And again, that doesn't mean time, space, and matter aren't beautiful sexy, fun, and to be enjoyed. Go for it. Enjoy it. Just don't misunderstand. It's the spirit that gives those things rise that make your life so magical. So absolutely, you can fall in love without attachment um, by going and seeing the source of all things. And when you do that, you can attach. You can attach and insist upon your cup overflowing. You can attach and insist upon um, this endless ecstasy that is your divine birthright. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for another spiritual tune-up. Happy Fry Yay, everybody. Meditation versus manifestation. Man, Two very loaded words uh, at this point in the evolution of our consciousness. Uh, we're all getting a little bit more curious. We're all getting a little bit more knowledgeable. And we're realizing that we're, we don't have to play victim anymore. We can rock our lives. So meditation and manifesting, are they, are they bedfellows or are they opposite ends of the spectrum? First of two questions. 
Mike, can you reconcile you are not your thoughts? Uh, made popular through meditation, exercises, mantras, etc. You are not your thoughts and thoughts become things. How do we reconcile that? Well, seemingly the, the wise spiritual guru would tell you, you are absolutely not your thoughts. They pour through you. I say seemingly because when we put words to truth, it always slips and fail. You are not your thoughts, but neither could you be you without your thoughts. So there's this kind of weird soup. Um, let me just reassure you that there is an inner witness that's spoken of by many different authors and um, cultures in the Far East, etc. An inner witness that that pays attention to what's going on. I know when I'm on stage, I know, I know Pixie when you're on stage and you've got a million people or I've got a thousand people looking at me. I'm operating, I'm functioning and I'm noticing and I'm thinking and should I play it up or should I take it down? Um, there's this inner witness which is far more core you than say your thoughts are, which are also part of you. Really, we are all the essence of pure divine energy. We are all God, but for the different lenses through which we view reality. And those lenses are typically called our ego, our spiritual ego, our thoughts, um, our inner witness. And so that inner witness makes us that unique splash of God, but truly we are all pure divine while we play out our adventures in the jungles of time and space. So to get to the crux of the matter and why a question like this might be raised is to, number one, understand you're not vulnerable to your thoughts. Understand your thoughts can't run away with you, contrary to the seeming reality of it. And understand, moreover, that you control them. Even though they are pouring through you the essence of the divine, like a raging river, and you can take a cup from over here, and you can take a cup from over here, and this thrills you, and this scares you, you are not those things in the sense of your witness or your ego. But you can control where you focus. And, and this takes some experience. This is the evolution of consciousness. This is why we work at it. This is why I give workshops. You can control entirely this raging torrent of God Almighty, pure love through your very being. It's not you as you know you, but you can control it. Thereby, you're not vulnerable to it. And thereby, let's get it on and take it to where we want to go through creative visualization. One of the propensities or properties of consciousness in this soup that we all agree to play in, time, space, matter, the jungles of time and space, is that whatever bucket or pond we're scooping the divine out of, we are drawn to experiencing more of. Hence, the law of attraction. We focus over here on these scary thoughts or on these loving thoughts, and we are drawn into more of that raging river, away from other raging rivers. The way you change your river is not to, to dislike the one you're in, but to focus on the other one that you'd like to be in and ignore what's going on around you right now to the degree that you can survive and be safe. Okay, this is the whole hook of life. Changing the river, changing the thoughts, uh, in spite of evidence to the contrary, led and brought about by earlier manifestations. So while your thoughts are not you, they, 
they are inextricably bound to that which you experience and you have total control over them. Although learning this in the beginning, it's pretty dicey. Don't think of the, the pink polar bear and you're thinking of the pink polar bear, but you can do this and you can change that which you don't like by deliberately focusing elsewhere with your inner witness, and don't get too confused by these terminologies, to expand that which you now choose to focus on um, and, and live the most rocking of lives. The second question that, that asks about meditation versus manifestation. Mike, how does med meditation work with manifesting? For me, overthinking takes away the joy from everything. Meditation provides grounding and peace. But after I'm done meditating, I'm so much at peace. There's nothing I want. So are these mutually exclusive? Again, the same kind of question. Great questions. Thank you, everybody, on this Friday. Um, meditation and manifestation are just two different realms that are worthy of study to live a rocking life. They are not mutually exclusive. And let me also point out the obvious. There have been blazing success stories and love stories experienced by people who neither meditated nor did any creative visualization. But when you know that you're of God, by God, pure God, and you know that your thoughts become things even though they are not really who you are, why wouldn't you tame those lions and tigers and bears through meditation and direct the stream of future manifestations so that they increase exponentially in terms of love and fulfillment and creativity, friends, laughter, health, and healing. So what I would recommend is enjoy, since you're doing both of these, the questioner, enjoy the meditation and the calm that it gives you. It quiets the mind that can otherwise seem to run away with you, putting out fires and worrying about things you really don't need to be worried about. Uh, an exercise once or twice or three times a day for a couple of minutes or, or many minutes of just calm mantra, watch your breath, fly like an eagle through the solar system, or is that just me? Uh, and just, just enjoy the freedom that comes with that. And you're right, when you're done, you're not going to go want you know a new car or something else. You're like, this is all so good. Wallow in that. Don't start trying to, to, to manipulate the world around you. Just wallow in that. You will never be able to turn off your wandering, curious mind as it leads you down paths of excitement and adventure. So you need not worry that you meditate so much, you just don't give a damn about life. You're going to be all over life. You're going to come out of that cocoon, and all of a sudden you're going to be so vitalized, revitalized, you're going to be just like, wow, where am I going to go now? I just went inward. Now I'm going to go outward. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to the top of the mountain. Let's go to friends and laughter. Let's go to health and healing. You'll never be able to quiet that inner hunger and lust for expansion because that's God alive inside of you. God doesn't stop growing and neither will you ever stop growing. There will always be a sense of divine incompletion in your heart. So when that starts stirring, then you know exactly where you might start wanting to focus some new conscious thoughts in the direction of transformation, change, achievement, being, 
love, whatever. Let these two modalities, these two rituals, meditation and visualization, be complementary, but neither be stepping on the toes of the other. Don't try to fit one into the other. Unless it's fun and you're soaring through the galaxy imagining, you know, whatever you want to imagine. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend. Uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration every single day, I send out a note from the universe. Right now, it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.